This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. A safe place for trans communities, our friends and our allies to share our experiences. We'll discuss our issues, our challenges and our successes. We'll occasionally make you cry and hopefully we'll educate and inspire you. Welcome to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. Good evening Melbourne. It is Tuesday night. It is exactly 8pm. And you're listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. I'm Mixie. I'm your host for tonight. Unfortunately, our lovely, well, my lovely co-host Michelle, unfortunately, is called in sick. So guess what? You just got me. Sorry. But what I will say is I've got an amazing guest who's actually coming with me. So my guest that I've got for tonight is the amazing and very beautiful Grace Lee. Grace is a psychologist. Um, she's also from Transgender Victoria. And she's also recently done her thesis on trans people who transition later in life. So we are going to be speaking to Grace a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and we're going to be talking about th- that she, well, She's actually sitting right across from me at the moment. Say hello to Grace. Hello, everybody. So that is Grace. Yes, she's definitely with us. Now, what I'm going to do is uh, I do want you to call us or send us text messages or emails and those kinds of things. So if you do want to reach out to us, well, this is how you go and do it. We're listening to you. SMS 0427 JOY 949. Email on air at joy.org.au. Or call us, 1300-JOY-949. Okay, so that's a deal. So if you can messages, that's great because I do love getting text messages from you. Uh, also, if you want to send a get well text message to Michelle, I'll make sure that she gets it. Now, I'm going to say that I do have some amazing music lined up tonight, as I usually well, try to do as, much, as best as what I possibly can. Uh, I am going to be starting off tonight with some Ariana Grande. Bit of a problem? Nah, nah I don't know. She's all right. So here we go. We've got some Mario de Grande. You're listening to Transpositions. Join only 4.9. Stay with us, guys.
you got to love, you have to absolutely love Ariana Grande. Now, it is time for my good friend, the news. So I normally have Michelle doing the news, but unfortunately, as I said, she's crook, so she's not here with us tonight. So it's just me that you have to put up with reading the news. Okay, so... Our good friend, the battleground over North North Carolina transgender law intensifies as lawmakers reconvene. Thousands of people have flocked to North Carolina, uh, the capital on Monday, to show support and disdain for the law that has thrust the state into international spotlight over its restrictions on transgender bathroom access and gay rights. The measure puts the state at centre of a debate over equality, privacy and religious freedom as as the state proposes legislation seen as discriminatory against gay and transgender people in the wake of the US Supreme Court ruling last year that legalised same-sex marriage. Leading Republican lawmaker in the state have so far shown little willingness to back down. Now, a transgender editor murdered in Bangladesh. The editor of the, of the transgender magazine and his friends have been murdered in Bangladesh by suspected Islamic extremists. The suspected Islamic extremists and militants hacked and hacked to death the leading gay rights activist and a friend in an apartment in the Bangladeshi capital. Monday's killings took the place took place two days after the university professor was slain in a similar fashion in an attack. Uh, claimed by the uh, claimed claimed by the Islamic State, more than five, more than five hundred thousand people boycott Target over its transgender bathroom policy. Now this one's kind of a bit curious, and there's some crazy stuff going on this internet about this one. A conservative Christian activist group has gained more than half a million signatures and is counting uh, from people pledging to boycott Target over its transgender bathroom policy. Now we just might clarify that's Target in the United States, and not Target here in Australia. We certainly respect there are a wide variety of perspective and opinions, says Trans, says Target uh, spokesperson Molly Snyder. As a company that firmly stands behind what it means to offer our team an inclusive place to work and our guests an inclusive place to shop, we continue to believe that this is the right thing for Target. Target made this position public in a blog post last week stating the company welcomes transgender, transgender team members and guests to use the restroom and the fitting room facility that corresponds with their gender identity. The announcement comes as legislation on transgender issues in multiple states has spurred several major corporations and businesses to take a stance on LGBTI rights. Now, look, you know, all the bad news and all doom gloom and those kinds of things, guess what? I've got some good news. I love my good news. Okay. Uh, so good news is Victorian Pride Centre. Now, this one I'm really excited about. The Victorian government will spend $15 million to create Australia's first Pride Centre in the upcoming 2016 state budget. Now, I think Grace is getting yeah, really excited with this one. Yeah, that's such good news. It is. Uh, it's going to be really, I think, shows what the government's uh, prepared to do. And uh, they put their money where their mouth is these which, days. Which is amazing. Yeah. Now, the final design and location and time frame for the Pride Centre will be decided in consultation with the LGBTI community and health professionals and is expected to be within Melbourne CBD. The centre will, and for the trans community, this is really important, the centre will offer medical services staffed by doctors trained in LGBTI-specific issues, including gender dysphoria, uh, transitioning and sexual health, and will be free for anyone with a Medicare card. It will serve as a hub for LGBTI support groups and organisations and share ideas and resources with an aim to support quality, diversity and inclusion. 
which is really good. I'm looking forward to this so much. The 2016 state budget will also include $6.4 million for the expansion of the gender dysphoria health services to meet the rapidly growing demand from Victoria's transgender and gender diverse population. Now, the $6.4 million in new funding will be allocated specifically to the Monash Health, an agency that is struggling to treat 100 plus patients who seek out health services every year. Now, last year, the budget gave an additional funding to the Royal Children's Hospital for gender dysphoria treatment for children aged 5 to 17, which was $6 million, so they're doing the same thing for the adults. Uh, now, the Royal Children's Hospital said uh, that, the, that the funding doubled their capacity and halved their waiting list, which is really important for kids, and I think really all trans people in, in total. Now, the funding... And that also was allocated uh, will help the Monash Health expand their gender dysphoria clinic and deliver a more comprehensive, multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary psychiatric and psychological assessment service, additional counselling services, plus health education and training to build clinical clinical care for transgender Victorians. As I said, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, now, the, the government will aim to roll out gender dysphoria services in the new Pride Centre once it's up and running. Uh, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said, Victoria is doing what every other state should be doing and what the, com- what the Commonwealth Government should be doing. He also went on to say that everyone in the state should have the right to feel res- feel respected and safe and being exactly who they are, for being exactly who they are, I should say. Equality is not negotiable in Victoria. Discrimination is wrong in any form, and that is not negotiable either. And I think, really, when you think about it, that are some wise words which those 500,000 Americans who are trying to petition to keep trans and uh, gender diverse people out of change rooms in Target or for something for the governor, uh, Pat McCrory, uh, from North Carolina. He can take a really good lesson in what good government looks like because uh, seeing what Dan Andrews has done, I think it's uh, what every Premier in Australia should do. What do you think, Grace? Oh, absolutely. It's a real sign of leadership and it's just, it's so important that, um, you know, through um, sort of lobbying, through um, consumer involvement with government here and especially through that LGBTI task force, you know, the, the LGBTI community are getting representation and the politicians, the ministers are actually listening to us. So we're, we're, we're making some real inroads, I think. Yeah. I think, And I think this is a really good thing for the state and it really does show what all states in Australia should be doing. You know, Victoria did lead the way uh, with agenda for services at the Royal Children's Hospital um, with being the only centre from what I can recall in Australia who's doing that exclusively for, for children uh, and now we're broadening the funding for, for trans adults and also having the Pride Centre I think this is really good and I think this is what good government should look like in this state and as I said any state within Australia now, I'll tell you what we are going to do. I want you to stay with us. I'm going to play some short messages and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to play some... Well, I'm going to play another good track for you guys. Uh, I do have some Dem- uh, Demi Lovato sitting there just waiting to play it. I've also got some Ellie Goulding. I've also got some Jessie J. So you are going to have to stay here in the show. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to stay listening to us. We do have Grace. She is going to be answering some questions and we're going to be talking to her very shortly. So don't go anywhere. I want you to stay with me. Okay, because you are listening to Transpositions here, Joy 94.9. Of course, the gayest station in the nation. Joy 94.9. This is Adam Katz. Help keep Joy out loud and proud. Become a member now. Call 1300 Joy 949. 
come on, Tiffany Lovato, you have to care. We all care, don't we? Don't we, Grace? Oh, we do care. We, we absolutely. We do care. I think mm. caring's important, mm. so, which is one of the reasons why you're here. You care. Sharing and caring. Sharing and caring. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Now, I want to clarify something, because I think I made a bit of a booby before, and I said... You're a psychologist. You did call me a psychologist, that's right. And I'm not a psychologist because that's a very specific term. You'd have to have a degree in psychology and I don't have a degree in psychology. So what exactly, where do you finish the picture? Right, well, so I'm I'm a counsellor and psychotherapist. So that means I've, I've been trained and I've, I've been studying for quite a few years um, to work with people in very much in a form of talking therapy using a lot of the things that um, psychologists do. So everything from kind of cognitive behavioural therapy through to sort of psychoanalytic sort of approaches. Um, but what I haven't done is all the statistics. So there's some aspects of, of psychology, especially at undergraduate and postgraduate level, that's, that covers a lot more research than I've done and covers a lot more around sort of how the brain actually works, um, you know, the neurobiology and so on. Which, so I've, I've just focused on therapy, how to, how to help people. Okay. On a one one on one basis. So it sounds like so at, at a frontline level you're there working with the people, but there's yeah. a lot more in terms of the analytics of how the brain yeah. works, but also the statistical level as well. Mm. When you look at a population and what happens yeah, in that space, yeah, and understanding what are effective treatments and 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 psychologists can also get involved in sort of diagnostics and so on, which is something that I don't do. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So that's what the difference is. There you go. You learn something. We're every all day. here to help you. Okay, yeah, you're going to psychoanalyze me? <laughs> no, not tonight. <laughs> not, not tonight, okay. So you've been working on um, on this uh, thesis for quite yeah. a while now. Exactly how long have you been working well, on it? Well, it was a year. I started at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. And um, my sort of kind of main interest was um, around the mental health of, of trans and gender diverse people. And when I started to look more into the research that had been done, I guess there were two really important things. One was there, there is some research out there, but actually not very much. Very few sort of, um, you know, sort of research articles and so on about the mental health of transgender and gender diverse people. There's quite a lot about um, the LGBTI community at large, if you like, and certainly around gay and lesbian and bisexual um, mental health, but not much about identity. And okay. and there has been a tendency to kind of lump some of that stuff together now. Um, but, um, but what we do know from a number of very big studies that have been done both in like in Australia and in the UK, it's been that, that those people who do identify as transgender have very, very high rates of depression and anxiety and phenomenally high rates of suicide. And it's like, well, what's going on here? Um, and, you know, I think the, the sort of kind of the research that has been done obviously is pointing towards what I think called minority stress, which is a concept that came out about, you know, 30 years ago. But um, and again, was born out of a lot of studies around um, gay and lesbian populations, especially in the US. And, you know, it's really around the fact that when you identify in a minority, um, you are you are prone, and we, we see this every day now, to, to being attacked one way or another. You might be attacked in the media, you might be attacked physically, you might be abused, you might suffer prejudice and discrimination, you might find it difficult to get a job, you might find it difficult to get housing. So people like us can be marginalised um, and we can find it quite difficult to sort of deal with sort of 
what uh, situations that other, if you like, cisgendered privileged people would not have a second thought about. Um, and that just leads to a genuine sort of build-up of uh, anxiety and depression in particular and difficulty in coping with situations because it's not a case of, you know, the anxiety is not something that... For some people, maybe, you know, uh, uh, you know the anxiety is a genuine fear because they are being um, abused in the street, for example, just walking down the street. So they don't want to leave home for, you know, it might be a situation. So we, I think, from the perspective of how to help, obviously one of the things is that, that therapists do need to understand what it's like to walk in the shoes of someone who's transgender. And uh, that can be, I think we all know, that when we go and see, be it a therapist or a doctor or, or whatever, a practitioner, for many of us we find we're actually having to educate the practitioner what it means to be trans. And so from a mental health perspective, many people are starting on the back foot. You know, they, they, they need help, but they don't know where to go. They think they're also going to be discriminated against. So part of what I was trying to do was to to sort of investigate this and try and be able to sort of translate this into sort of a, a, some way that people could understand what it means to be trans or transgender. So the stigmatism that people experience being trans is is, yes. is enough to, would you say it's enough to cause anxiety and depression issues? Yes, absolutely. Significant. <clears throat> you know, I'd like them, you know, large numbers. So, you know, 60, 70% of people in the trans community will be, will have, will have had about a depression in the last 12 months. It's statistics like that, which are way above the, the general population numbers. Which is kind of scary. What can be done? Yeah, well, um, in the, in the big picture stuff, it's about educating everybody in our community so that, so that we, we see a much higher level of understanding and acceptance and less discrimination. But then we know that's this kind of a slow process. We're all trying to do that. We see lots of right wing extremes, yeah. extremists actually do some pretty crazy things to trans people. And we, we've seen this happen in the US yeah. where, for example, North Carolina, uh, we see imagery of people standing out the front of bathrooms mm. trying to prevent trans people from going in we see mm. other cases uh where trans people actually are assaulted in yes. bathrooms as well for just going to pay i mean america is a, in this respect is quite an unpleasant place to be so the number of <clears throat> trans people who are violently assaulted and who are killed and murdered through hate crimes in the you know the u.s are significant there's huge numbers every year and it's that's tragedy um, but it puts so much pressure on everyone else and obviously things are a little bit different here I think we're very fortunate in Melbourne that we have you know a relatively safe place to be open about our identity but that doesn't take away the reality is that you know it, you can still feel quite threatened you can feel very uncomfortable um, in, on the street or in the workplace so you know it's important that um, that, that trans people feel comfortable seeking professional help, being able to see counsellors and psychologists, and feeling that they, you know, that they're confident that those people actually understand something about the situations they're facing. I think one of the biggest and scariest things for someone who's trans is actually the the taking that first step mm. of really talking Absolutely. to someone about it. Absolutely, and it, it can be very difficult because um, it, depending on on your age. And I mean, one of the things that interested me was that that I was looking at people in sort of older age groups, like forty and onwards, and that's probably because I fit into that. Mm. So it's part of my own personal experience. <laughs> Likewise, too. <laughs> um, and many of those people are, are often they're coming out now, so they've they've actually lived a life in the closet. They've they've not been able to talk to anyone. They've felt 
deeply ashamed in many cases. It's something that they wanted to maintain as a secret, and they've maintained a secret throughout their lives. Now they've come out, and I thought, right, let's let's understand what that process is about, and how well do they do it, and how do they cope, and what 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 can we use that information for in terms of teaching others to make that transition so much easier for them. Yeah, exactly. Like I tell you, I want to talk about that a lot more. We're sort of mm. really talking about um, the older population mm. transitioning later in life compared to transitioning younger in life. But you know what? Um, I've got to. <laughs> I do have to go through to some messages, unfortunately. Okay. I know. So make sure that you do stick with us. I yeah. have got, as I said, I've got some Ellie Goulding on the way. Uh, so you are listening to Transpositions on Joy. Stick around. Send some messages through to Grace. She does want to answer some questions. So if you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that you do want to ask of her with regards to her study or just being trans and wanting a psychologist. Well, not a psychologist, a psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Psychotherapist a question. Yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. Give it be. a go. I'll ask anyway. Yeah, ask anyway. You're listening to Transpositions on Joy. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned right here.
got you on my mind. You're listening there. You're listening to Transpositions. I've definitely got you on my mind because we're talking to you. Of course, aren't we? Aren't we, Grace? And me. And And I love Ellie Goulding as well. Yeah, Ellie's actually really good. That that was, (laughs) if you didn't know, on my mind, Ellie Goulding. Mm. Yeah, good track. Um, Now, Grace, we were talking before about your thesis that you did. did. Tell me about your thesis exactly. What's it about? Okay, it's a study on um, older transgender women. Mm-hmm. Um, in and around Melbourne, so in Victoria. Okay. So age What's range from about 40 through to into the 70s. Okay. So we're looking at, and we're looking at people who've only recently come out. And I was interested in how they came out to their families and friends. So they had to come out to significant others. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of them were sort of also in the process of transitioning. But it was just, we were really looking at people, you know, around that sort of time. So, and I guess, you know, the sort of key, th- and, and it's okay, so it's part of the way I did this was to actually interview eight people. And each interview was an hour long or a bit longer than that. And I recorded it and then I transcribed it. So I've got, I've got 62,000 words of transcripts. So there was a massive amount of information here. You would have been really busy typing away. I was doing a lot of typing <laughs> and a lot of reading because I had to read it and read it and read it. Um, well, I mean, what happened was that each of these people, um, you know, opened their hearts uh, to tell me their story. And, you know, it was, it was a wonderful experience for me that they, they were telling me things possibly they hadn't actually shared with anyone else or very, very few people. Um, and we kind of tracked their lives from really their first experience of a sense of difference, of being different and being different in a gender perspective. I mean, it's a bit difficult. You know, when do, when do kids really start to understand genders? It's probably around about four or five. And I think one of the clear things that sort of one of the first things that kind of came out was that, that people realised that they were different and then they also suddenly realised that that was not acceptable. Mm. That to be, you know, to be behaving in a gender, cross-gender sort of way was disapproved of. Okay. Now, some of them picked that up as a, as a you know... Uh, because they kind of saw the signals. And, and I mean, I can sort of, I'll, I'll, I'll just read you some of the things that some people have said. And one of them sort of was that, you know, they, they'd actually been, they were at kind of school, you know, they were about four, so they were in kind of preschool and it was dress up time in the afternoon. And this person, you know, ran over and, and, and put on the ballerina costume. Okay. And um, that, that was fine. But then the next week they went and did it again. And, and the the other girls got quite like, why are they putting that dress on? We want that one. And, you know, the, the person then actually said, and then I noticed the two female teachers whispering and looking at me, and so kids are smart. Straight away, you know that this is not acceptable. So this disapproval was absolutely there. Um, and so I think, you know, other people actually told me that they really didn't, they were never told that this was wrong. But they all had this sense that it really wasn't something you did. Mm. And so you kept quiet about it. You hid it. And you, so you kind of move. This is the first thing of starting to hide part of yourself. So when you were distilling all of these stories, were there certain themes and commonalities which were the same across all of them? Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of what the process that I, that I was using, which I'm going to try and say the, the methodology that I use, and I might not be able yes. to get it. This is, this is the tongue twister. Because we were talking we about this off air. Interpretative phenomenological analysis. I'm not going to try saying that again. Another I think mic. it was close. Uh, I'll take your word for that. Okay. What exactly does that process mean? What does that mean? Okay. Um, it's about collecting stories. It's about collecting what happened to people 
and them telling me and then I actively interpret what's happened. So it's a very it's quite a subjective approach to research, but it's so it's a qualitative approach. So it's not about statistics and numbers. It's but it's about pulling to pulling together sort of narratives from people and then yes, looking for themes actually. So were there themes? Absolutely. I kind of there were basically four sort of themes. So there was this this sense of oh, I'm different in some way. Um, and then there is the, the second theme was actually hiding, so like going into the closet. And then there's a sort of later in life a sort of theme that related to kind of emerging from that closet. So starting to stop the hiding and start to explore the gender expression and the individuality. And then the final sort of phase is, the, is what I've called coming out. So that um, some of the terminologies as well can get a bit confusing. Some, it, so it's not necessarily about transition. It's about coming out and telling people, you know, I'm, I'm trans and this is what it means. And um, so I was able to look at the sort of the events and the experiences that each of these p- people had during those times. And, yeah, look, there were a lot of common common sort of themes. As I said, the first one was a, g- a general tendency to sort of feel that this isn't the right thing to do. So there was, for these people, there was a lot of secret cross-dressing, um, starting with, you know, borrowing sisters or mother's clothes and so on, mm. and a, a compulsion to do that and a need to do that, to sort of be able to somehow express a, a feminine side and a feminine identity, but also knowing that, that they don't want anybody to know about that. And one of the greatest sort of fears was that actually that their fathers would find out. Okay. That was a very common theme. Sometimes mothers did find out because mothers, as we know, know everything. They do. They and know they're everywhere. And they know absolutely everything. And they probably and they notice when someone's been in their wardrobe. Mm. So um, yeah, so they some some of the people who took part in this did get caught, but more often than not, mothers didn't actually say anything. Okay, which is interesting as well. I want to understand in terms of looking at this in terms of filias, mm. in terms of and when we say filias, we, we we're referring to sexual attraction, and mm. there's three distinct filias. That is um, androphilic, that is you're attracted to men, gynophilia, that you're attracted to women, and 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 autophilia. What exactly does that mean? That's a sort of a different term mm. altogether. Autophilia. Well, do you mean autogynophilia or just Auto- autophilia? Autophilia. Autophilia is sort of love of oneself. That's okay. you know, it's uh, the love of the same. So now, yeah. autogynophilia. What's that? Well, yeah, that's a term that's um, was kind of created, I think, um, a few decades ago now by some Canadian psychiatrists who were running a gender clinic in in Toronto. And they kind of grouped people who were transgender into a number of special sort of... They, they have a slightly, somewhat different view um, and, a, and a fairly negative view towards transgender people. They seem to be sort of in some ways accepting of true transsexuals mm-hmm. who they felt that were people who came out very early in life and were, you know, genuinely, you know, of the opposite gender. And then they tended to group the others sort of into, tended to describe them really as being sort of homosexual males who wanted to be like women in order to be attractive to men. And they then also sort of grouped another group of people who were autogynophilic, who said they were attracted and turned on by seeing themselves as women. Okay. 
And how does that sort of then relate to other concepts such as cross-dressing and cross-dresses? And is there? Is Look, I think it, it confounds it. So I mean, I think I think and my opinion about some of this stuff is that, it, that there's no scientific basis to this. This is a very, actually, probably a, a fairly negative view of gender identity and how it should be treated. And actually, that clinic's been shut. Mm. So. I think that kind of that says something. Sort of says enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. How does that relate? Look, I think when we look at broader aspects of gender identity, I think for many of us now we can see that you know there aren't just two genders; that there are sort of a, there's a big middle ground as well. And this uh, this idea that of binary gender is is perhaps you know losing ground now. So many people, many of us feel that we maybe are, you know, more feminine or more masculine. So we might be transmasculine or we might be transfeminine and we might be genderqueer. So there's a whole load of terminologies, but it might, you know, sort of means that we don't really feel that we fit into any one particular gender box, of the, especially of the two. Um, so, yes, yeah, look, I, I, so I think there are different ways that people express their, that gender and that variability of gender. So for some people... We, we, we use terms like cross-dressers and some people refer to themselves as cross-dressers because they dress in the, in the clothes of someone else, of the opposite, or if you like, technically the opposite, but it may not be an opposite gender. This is where it gets so confusing when we stop talking binary. Um, 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 but they, that may be, that's something they do. That's how they, they, they are able to express part of their identity, but they don't necessarily want to live as or transition to another gender. So they're still happy with the, the gender they were assigned at birth? Well, they could but, well be, yes. But, I mean, that, that may well be the case. But in a lot of the cases, it's either as a temporary relief mm. or sometimes it could be potentially, say, sexual? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, th- I think you know that 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 clearly happens. I mean, certainly that it that it probably again confounds things a bit um, when people kind of get into exploring their identity, gender identity, especially during their sort of teenage years. You know, they are going through puberty. They've got a lot of hormones rushing around their body, so they're 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 sexually triggered by an awful lot of things. And it can be that you know, amongst other things, you know, you can be sort of sexually aroused and triggered by things that are different. You know, um, so that's that sort of n- almost kind of novelty kind of factor can become quite compelling. Mm. So it's that that may not have anything actually to do with specifically with gender identity, but um, I think from what I've seen, it's not uncommon for people to go through a phase of finding cross-dressing um, sexually arousing. But that you know, I think it's important that we don't confuse sexuality, sexual arousal with identity so that's two different know. things yeah look and, and we you know we we still live in a fairly puritanical society that as soon as we start to talk about sex and sexuality um you know like everybody kind of switches off <laughs> which is a bit unfortunate yeah. i want to keep cont- talking about this because i think there's probably some really good mm. things that we can keep talking about we're gonna post some messages and they've also got an amazing track lined up from jesse J. uh so don't go anywhere you are listening to transpositions join 94.9 join 94.9 making you dance
Jesse J. Domino, you are listening to Transpositions. Join 94.9. I've got Grace Lee in the studio with me. Grace is a psychotherapist, and we are talking about her thesis, which she did with, with relation to trans people who transition a little bit later in life. And we've been talking about lots of different things, and um, we, we, we were speaking about one of the things just off air a moment ago. We were talking about trans kids and and you did talk about it when we were on in the, in the last segment, we were talking about trans kids and when they sort of exhibit some cross-sex behaviours when they're quite mm. young, um, the scorn or the negative look which some, some children yeah. do get. And the question that I asked you, and I want to probably elaborate on this a little bit if I can actually, is when we look at these children, um, is that some children will get the look and it's, yeah, oh no, this is the wrong thing, this is a bad thing for me to do, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Whereas some other children, they'll be in a quite supportive and uh, encouraging family who allow the kids mm. to, um, I suppose in one sense, start to explore this gender play and sort of work through their own gender identity issues. Do you think that when we look at it like that, that maybe we are sort of setting up as to how some people transition earlier in life mm. and how also some transition uh, later in life. Yeah, look, I think that's, there's every possibility of that because, I mean, you know, it really does make a difference. You, you pick up some of these negative signals really early on in your life and you, you know, you go into the closet, you, you shut down that side of yourself and that really leads to, you know, that's not as psychologically healthy as being able to feel free and express your own identity. So I think that, um, you know, those... I don't have any evidence for this, so this is kind of just personal opinion. I think those those kids who, you know, have a supportive family who allow them to express themselves from an early age. What we do know is that quite a few kids who who exhibit those cross gender behaviours early will stop doing it. That's that's not unusual. So mm-hmm. it's you know like and so there's no harm done because mm-hmm. but they haven't had to live several years of feeling stigmatised or something because of what they've been doing. So I think that's important. So I think it's healthier psychologically. And but those who do um, when they get you know once they get past whatever it is eight nine ten and and they're still quite convinced about their gender identity and we've got the really good services like in in Melbourne here with the Children's Hospital who can provide all the support from there on in. Um, you know I think I think we will be seeing people who are who are resilient who've been well supported and therefore much more healthy so yes it's it's about you know healthy transgender people um those who have have had to sort of suppress stuff for so much of their lives you know tend to suffer one way or another either because they've they perhaps regretted stuff that they haven't been able to express themselves they've maybe done things in their life or not done things because of their gender identity Hmm. So, and some of them will have suffered severely in terms of their mental health over the longer period of time. And there's some of the themes that you've seen coming out of the study that you've done. Yeah, look, I mean, the way that people defend themselves as well, I mean, the coping mechanisms, is uh, some very common ones are certainly once people get into their teens, it's, it's really one of complete sort of denial. And um, we were looking at male to female transgender people. So in that sort of situation, we were seeing guys who, you know, took up martial arts, they took up boxing, they they took, went into motorsport, they did they did all the guys type stuff. And mm. many of us did that. You the hyper masculine things. Yeah, yeah, basically, which is, you know, a strong sort of denial. And that helped. That helped coping. That helped kind of suppress. And, and generally, that would be sort of describing it. You know, like it's kind of suppressed the desires to express an alternative identity. With the limited amount of time that we've got, was it 
with the with the people that you spoke to, with the behaviours that they were exhibiting with this hypermasculine behaviour, when you start to look at their families, they sort of really didn't see this coming at all because he was this hypermasculine mm. hypermasculine guy coming and saying, "No, I'm actually transgender. I'm really a woman." Yeah, that that can be quite difficult for families. I mean, there are various ways that um, that people came out, and and one of the important things I think that came out in the study was that by and large, you need to plan it. You need to actually really think about how you're going to express it to people, how you're going to explain it, and do it kind of carefully in a considered way. Like you know, depending on your where you are in life, whether it's your partner, whether it's your parents, or your brother or sister or whatever but actually to plan it if you if you if you get to the end of your tether and then kind of just launch on everybody and tell them this you know they'll be very confused and they will struggle with Mm. a lot of that so it's planning you know active kind of problem solving can be very effective and what i've seen with with the, the the people who took part in this study was that you know they by and large have actually been able to come out and find acceptance they're much happier. They've stopped living the lie, mm-hmm. as some of them would describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they live a more authentic life, and they've actually found they just wish they did it earlier. It's probably the biggest thing. That they I think. Say. Yeah, one of the things which I, I sort of come across, and even myself to an extent, you sort of say to yourself, "Gee, I wish I did this earlier," <laughs> because life is so mm. much different, and in a lot of cases, so much better once you actually come out and do start to transition. Mm. Grace. Wow, it's such an amazing story and such an amazing work that you've done there. So I really do um, thanks, Megan. say thanks. Appreciate oh, you coming pleasure. through. Thank you for inviting me on here. Oh, it's all good. You can come through any time you like, actually. <laughs> actually, I'll tell you, what I might do is I might get you to come back again a couple more times because you're a psychotherapist and you deal with trans people. Yes, I work with trans people a lot and well, genderqueer people and generally queer people. So, which, yeah. yeah, so... Um, I'm always looking for really good people to talk to about stuff from a more professional mm. perspective. So would you Love come back to. and join us again? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Try and keep me away. <laughs> well, yeah, you're sort of welcome to come through as much as what you want. So thank you. Megan, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, you're listening to Transpositions. Join 94.9. I'm going to play some messages and I'm going to be back shortly. The world's most uplifting radio station. Join 94.9. So that is it. We have come to the end of another show. I hope you've enjoyed the music. I've still got one more really good track coming up, so make sure that you do stick around for that. Grace, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As I said before, it's been really good talking to you and learning some of the things that you've been working on. Oh, that's great. And thank you, everybody, for listening to me. Oh, we, um, we're happy talking to you. That's always good. <laughs> now, if you have missed our show, which hopefully you haven't, but if you have, we do have podcasts available. So if you go to Transpositions uh, on our Facebook, I'm sorry, on our webpage, so you go, go to joy.org.au forward slash Transpositions, uh, you'll find our podcasts. Uh, or you can also get our podcasts from the App Store. Uh, you can also download the Joy uh, uh, app as well from the from the App Store or from the Google Play Store. And also, if you want to email during the week, you can do that. Uh, you can email us transpositions at joy.org.au. Uh, also, our Facebook page, come on, if you like the show, you've got to like our Facebook page. So go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash transpositions on joy. And that's how you're going to get to our Facebook. Now I'm taking you out tonight with one of my good friends who I kind of like a lot. Uh, LaRue, I played her last week and I'm playing her again tonight because I think the music's pretty cool. Thank you, listen, transpositions.
most lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.